What happens when a couple ghost hunters go into a cabin looking for a ghost? Instead, they find something oddly unsettling. <laughs> Other than the ghost they were there for, something else. And then we take a look at the story of a young woman who is visited by an alien one night and gives her visions of them having sex. Her worst fear is that she's now pregnant from this alien invader. But is that really the worst thing that could happen today on Dead Rabbit Radio? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. we got a ton of stuff to cover, so we're going to slide right into this. First off, let's give a shout out to one of our legacy Patreons riding in on a giant haul. Is Steve Jones. Steve Jones is like, what? What? He's like bewildered. He was like, I'm sitting in my office. Now I'm on a hog. But we're going to clap for him anyways. He's riding this hog in. Steve, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode, our big pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon or don't have pigs to ride, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about the show. Steve, go ahead and hop off that pig here. The reason why the pig's in here, let's all pet this giant hog. I'm actually recording today and tomorrow's episode back to back because tomorrow I have an appointment. I talked about this a long time ago. I have to hold down a hog for God knows how long. Well, another man saws off its hoofs. No, 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 no. That came out wrong. We're not, <laughs> we're not jigsaw protégés. He's going to grind down the toenails of this giant hog. So I, I'll admit I'm a little nervous. I'm recording, I'm recording the next two episodes in advance because I might get injured. Now, I don't think the pig's going to eat my face or anything. That is possibility. I don't think the pig's going to eat my face. It's a really old hog, and I'm going to hold it down away from its face. But I might, like, you know, hurt my back or something like that, or shatter every bone in my legs. So I'm recording the next two episodes just in case, so I can take the days off and recuperate. And get bones heal in three days, right, guys? So, Steve, thank you for riding this hog in. We're going to leave this big old pig at Dead Rabbit Command, and I'm going to toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We are leaving behind... Pigville, USA, a.k.a. formerly Dead Rabbit Headquarters. We're headed out to Illinois. Steve, drive us on down there. Actually, this was a story that Nicholas sent me the other day. It was actually part of when we did that tour of Illinois, but it didn't really fit in to that episode. I also got to say I got a lot of complaints. Got a lot of complaints about the people who picked number three and, and were suffered eternal damnation. The other people just got stabbed by a clown. Or entered a television show full of hobos. If you pick number three, spoiler alert, you were trapped in hell for the rest of eternity. But anyways, I, I appreciated all of those emails. It made me laugh a lot at how mad you guys were. But anyways, no numbers to be chosen here. This one didn't really fit into the interactive format. But this is really interesting. When you research paranormal conspiracy stuff for so long, the outliers are very, very important. This is something we've been hitting on fairly recently on this show. The outliers are super important because it tells something more about the mythology. Could be totally made up. That would explain an outlier too. Steve, stop the Jason Jalopy right here. We're at Witch's Bridge in Clarksdale, Illinois. Now, very briefly, of course, this bridge has a legend. With a name like Witch's Bridge, it's not like Johnny Witch built the bridge. Apparently, a witch was hung from the bridge. Who knows if that happened? I'm sure people have been hung from bridges there. Whether or not it was an actual witch, it would be kind of hard to to hang someone who can fly away. Honestly, she's like, my last wish is to hold my broom as you hang me. They're like, okay, what's the worst thing can go wrong? 
Um, I don't think anyone is actually hung from the bridge. There is a cabin nearby, and a, here's another story that's very, very typical with these type of things. There was a man, he had his family, he got mad at him, he murdered them all with an axe, probably, or a shovel, or, or a wild dog, he just let it crush all their bones. And then he hung himself on the bridge. Now, apparently, this house is guarded by a zombie dog. Now, all of that stuff is very run-of-the-mill. We have the the cursed bridge. We have people getting hung from it. That's super, super common in the lore, in ghost lore. Family annihilators, super common in the lore. Even ghost dogs, hellhounds, things like that, real dogs, are part of the lore. This was really interesting. The cabin's no longer there. It's now been moved to Rochester, Illinois. So they're like, we want a zombie dog. That's their mascot in that town. The zombie dogs, go. So they dragged it there, and the zombie dog's like, oh, man, I really missed my view. Apparently, though, when the cabin was in Clarksdale, Illinois, there was a room in the cabin. <laughs> Obviously, right? You're like, whoa, Jay, you're waking up your buddy. Dude, dude, I don't know why you're sleeping next to your buddy. But you're like, dude, dude, there's a cabin with a room in it. I haven't gotten to the cool part yet, right? But, but it is cool that you're waking up your buddy to listen to the show. There's a room in this cabin, and no matter what the temperature was outside, if it was hot, if it was cold, if it was moderate, you would go into this room, and it would always be warm. Huh? Huh? See? That's the twist. We've Cold spots is one of the main things we... You're like, Jason, is that really your big twist? Yes, yes. Because it's always cold spots. It's all, I've never, ever, in 30 years, come across a ghostly encounter where you entered a room and no matter what the temperature was, the room was warm. It's always, oh, it's so much colder in here. Look, we're going to pull out this thermostat. Look how cold it is. It's a cold spot. Cold spots are always the signs of ghosts. I have never, ever, ever heard of a house that had a haunting in it, and there was a room that was constantly warm. See, to me, that's fascinating. If this was just a cabin where a guy murdered his entire family and then hung himself, and that story is not real then I wouldn't even mention it. And if it had a cold spot, I wouldn't even mention it because we hear that stuff all the time. I've never come across... And when you look at outliers like this, again, you think, oh, maybe some maybe some guy made it up and he wanted to be... Maybe his name is Johnny Warm and he wanted to start a reputation. It's possible that it's made up, obviously, but it's such an outlier, it's worth investigating. Unfortunately, we can't anymore. The cabin's been moved. But that is a place, if someone said, hey, there's a house on the outskirts of town, it doesn't matter how hot or cold it is outside, you go in a student room, it's cold, I, would, I wouldn't I would get out of bed to go visit that haunted house, honestly. I'd be like, boring, there's a bunch of demons floating around, they're battling angels in the living room, I'm like, oh, it's cold spots. They're like, no, 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 there's other stuff going on, I'm getting back into bed with your buddy, I'm sleeping with your buddy too. But uh, if someone said, hey, there's a house on the outskirts of town and there's a room that's always warm, I would go that night. It's crazy. And it's funny because just something that small, it's such an outlier that to me, that means there's definitely something going on there. Assuming that it's true, assuming that this is just not someone making this up, if that was a verifiable report, there's definitely something going on there. I can explain cold spots, drafts. How often are you in a hot room and you get like a cold draft? It doesn't happen all the time, but you can explain that windows open, um, other stuff, other stuff. But... Um, to be in a room and it's freezing cold and warm comes in, or it's always just warm, really interesting. Again, it could be a weather phenomenon. I'm not saying it's definitely paranormal, but when you come across outliers like this, they're very, very important to investigate. 
Because the other ones, you're just... If you know, if you know haunted houses are supposed to have orbs, and supposed to have cold spots, and supposed to have, like, creaky floorboards you think someone's walking from behind you, you're going to note, you're going to notice those, you're going to expect those things, you might even, in your head, make those things happen. So it's possible that that was an actual real house, now it's been moved, there's, as far as I can tell, no reports since then. So, Nicholas, thanks for sending that story over. I didn't want to include it in... I didn't want to give you a number to say if you pick number three, you're warm. No, I want you to be damned to eternity. But in an alternate universe, if you pick number three, how about this? You're just warm. So there you go. And you just go home. So, Steve, I'm going to toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Illinois. We are going to fly out to Russia. So as you're flying out to Russia, I wanted to give you guys a Dead Rabbit Recommends. And this one's kind of a hybrid. And I really went back and forth over whether or not I wanted to recommend this movie or do a full segment on it. It's not that I don't think the movie's not worth recommending, because the movie's definitely worth recommending, but it's, it's so such an interesting story that I almost just did a whole segment on it. I came to the conclusion of, the movie's so good, I can't do it justice. But I'll, I'm going to do a little teaser for it, and then I want you guys to watch this movie. Steve, actually, let's not go to Russia yet. Turn around. We're headed to Monterey County, because I forgot I did want to cover a little bit of this story. Specifically, we're headed to the Pacific Grove Municipal Golf Course in Pacific Grove, California. It's November 3rd, 2013. We're flying overhead, and it's 7.20 in the morning. And we're flying super low, and people are messing up their, their golf shots. It's hilarious. And then we see a man over by the restrooms running around. Now, he's not just having a good time, like, playing with a dog or something like that. Playing with a zombie dog. He's on fire. Ah, ah, ah. He's running around. He's on fire. And we're going to throw some water on him. But by the time we get there, he's already dead. His name was Richard Hafner. He's 56 years old. People at the golf course said that this fire was so intense when they could see this, they actually thought a building was on fire. Like, it was such a big fire, it was shocking to them when they found it. It was just one guy. Because what happened is he kind of ran from, like, this walled area to the men's restroom and died against the men's restroom walls, which is a horrible place to go. But, I mean, it's not like being on fire is a picnic or anything, but it's just a horrible combination of things. He actually, he was so hot when he touched the wall, he was, like, scorching the brick of the bathroom. The police, fire department, they all show up, and they start the investigation. Homicide? Suicide? Accident? They found what appeared to be accelerant in his car, so it looked like he was sitting in his car, caught on fire, and then started running around and then died about 20 feet later. Very, very intense fire. Spontaneous human combustion? Well, one man has the answer to this. Christo Wapolo of Monterey County. He believes it was a UFO attack. I started watching this documentary called Curse of the Man Who Sees UFOs. It is awesome. I totally recommend you guys. It was one of those documentaries. I actually watched it on my vacation last summer. And I put it in and I was like playing Minecraft or something and I was half paying attention. And that story is kind of towards the beginning. And I paused and I rewound it and I go, that's not true. 
That's not true. Like, what? A guy just exploded in flames? I mean, considering what I talk about on this show, right? But I'm thinking there's no way this is true. And then I kept watching it again, and they start showing, like, local news reports. Like, a man burst into flames today. And I stopped the movie, shut off Minecraft, and started looking it up, and 100% this story happened. But the concept of the documentary is you're following a man called Cristo Rapolo, who is an avid UFO hunter. And... He finds them all the time. It's a really, really interesting documentary. And when you start it off, you go, this guy, he, he, he strikes you as if the Big Lebowski and Stephen Greer morphed into one. He believes in that whole, like, I can look up in the sky and I can ask the UFOs to appear. And then little dots will appear in the sky. And they're catching all this stuff on video. He's just a man who's just kind of living on the edge. I think, like, he, his apartment was messy or something like that. Or his car was messy. Not like that makes you a crackpot, but he just his life was a mess. And you're following this man, and he's talking about all these UFO events in Monterey County. And then a crop circle appears. And Christo goes nuts. It's the, the, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. The best documentaries, they are there at the right time. Cartel land, dig, overnight... Curse of the Man Who Sees UFOs. These are all documentaries that the crew just happened to show up at some random point in time and capture a once in a... I recommend all of those documentaries. They, they just show up at one point in time and capture history. And I remember I was, I was on the edge of my seat because I was like, what is going on with this crop circle? It's dope. I really, really... And I, I was thinking about doing, the whole, doing a whole segment on it, but I can't do it justice. Watch Curse of the Man Who Sees UFOs. It's a really interesting profile on someone who's like just kind of a wacky UFOologist. He's very, very lucky, or he has some sort of control or connection to these things. And then the underlying mystery is him trying to figure out this crop circle. And it's great. This is a great documentary. Catch Curse of the Man Who Sees UFOs. Steve Jones, let's go ahead and turn around this carpenter copter, or just give it a globe so you can keep flying in the same direction. But we are leaving behind Monterey County. We are headed out to northern Russia. We got all of our snow gear on, our parkas and our uh, like face masks. We all look like Arctic Warrior G.I. Joes. It's winter. It's 1989. We're beyond the polar circle. So we're way up there. This is northern Russia. It's one in the morning. Steve Jones, expert snow pilot. That was his G.I. Joe name, snow pilot. And as Steve is flying us in with this carpenter copter, we're going to see a young woman sitting at a radio station. Now, not like 105.9 with like Laszlo and the Scooge. It's like a, it's like a listening station for the Soviet Union. It's 1989 and there's a young woman working at this listening radio station. Turning the knobs and stuff like that. She just is like, I don't know what I'm doing. She goes home. She gets off work. She walks through the snow. She gets home. She goes to bed. It is one in the morning after all. But when she wakes up, she's sleeping next to her husband. When she wakes up, there's a beam of light right in her face. Oh, man. She's kind of swatting it away. She sees outside what's shining the light in her face. She sees an egg-shaped yellow object. It's interesting she describes it, and we've come across this a couple times in ufology. She said it looked like, she was egg-shaped, but she said it looked like a cloud, but the edges were diffused. So there wasn't like she was watching an incredible edible egg floating by. It was like she could see it was fuzzy. And I like that 
because it it adds to that whole that otherworldliness of it. You've never looked at a jet close up and go, man, they sure have perfected that fuzzy technology. Everything's very defined, even flying saucers. They have very defined edges. But whatever this was, you couldn't even look at it correctly. It was interdimensional or just putting out some sort of weird energy source. She said the edges looked blurry. She sees a whitish shadow. Again, an interesting visual. A white shadow float out of the object. And as it's coming closer, she describes it as what we would describe a gray alien. 1989 Russia, that wouldn't have been really well known, especially that far away in Russia. That wasn't part of the social consciousness. But she describes big head, tiny body, giant eyes, gray alien. This creature flies through the window, just glides through. She's wide awake. Her husband's just laying there next to her. Hasn't moved an inch. The alien is now standing next to her in bed. And then she has a... This is so weird. I I love this story because there's just so many weird elements to it. The alien standing next to her in bed. And then she sees a projection of her and the alien having sex. So is the alien having sex with her in the future? Is she astrally traveling out of her body? Is she looking down at the alien having sex with her? Is it the only way she can kind of compartmentalize what's going on? Because in this story, she is very, very clear she does not want this to happen. She doesn't want to have sex with this alien, and the alien is continuing to try to have sex with her, is trying to rape her. And then the alien gives her a drink, and she calms down. But I'm not sure if she sees the alien give her the drink in the vision or in the projection, If she's being shown this event and she's panicking in bed and the alien gives her the drink in bed, it's all very abstract the way this story is laid out. But after the drink, she calms down. The alien touches her cheek next to her in the bed. And then the alien floats out the window. Svetlana, did I say her name earlier? Her name's Svetlana, if I didn't say it earlier. Svetlana. She is absolutely paranoid by this. Now, she doesn't know a lot about UFOlogy or aliens or anything like that. They don't have X-Files over there. They don't have the book Communion. That stuff would leak into the culture later. But at this point, she knows that she had sex. Like, whether or not she had sex in some alternate reality or she was being shown that event or she that was happening to her and she was removed from her body to deal with it, she knows for a fact that in some way she had sex with this alien. And she is petrified she is pregnant. She believes there is a chance that she has a baby inside of her. She doesn't tell her husband what happened. She's waiting for the signs of pregnancy to appear, though. But something else starts to happen to her. She notices that her face, the skin on her face, is starting to get tighter and a little more supple. She sees moles that she's had for years slowly disappear. She gets up, she looks in the mirror in the morning, she can tell she's visibly younger than she was the day before. Eventually, the time came where she didn't even have to wear glasses anymore. She was de-aging somehow. Another odd side effect from this was that, according to her, her sex drive increased tenfold. She could not get enough sex, which the husband is like, I don't know what's going on, but you're looking great, honey. And all this sex, 10 times the sex is amazing. We were already having like sex 10 times a day. It's 100 times a day now. We both have to quit our jobs. 
At this point, a couple months have passed, and she hasn't given birth. She has shown no signs of being pregnant, and she's actually very relieved by that. Because that was her biggest fear. She looks a lot younger than she used to. She's having sex all the time. She might get pregnant again very, very soon, but she's not pregnant with an alien baby. She's finally come to peace with that. But one morning she wakes up, and she has a burning desire to carve wood. This was something she had never done before. She never even thought about before. She actually bullied the people in the wood carving club in high school. She goes out, she gets some wood, and she just kind of begins whittling it down. She doesn't really know what she's doing, but she has a need to carve wood. Whittle, whittle, whittle. Whittle, whittle, whittle. Over time, she ends up getting like a carving knife, better pieces of wood. She can really get in there. And she finds herself carving a very specific image. It's the image of a gray alien. She's taking these pieces of wood and she's carving away everything. All that's left is the image of a gray alien that floated into her window. But it's not just the gray alien. It's what we would describe, what we know as now, of an alien hybrid. It's a human with the giant eyes of a gray alien. She's carving these figures over and over again. Eventually... She had such a collection of these really interesting figures, she had an art show in St. Petersburg in 1993 where she displayed all of these little gray alien hybrid human figurines to the public. That story was... I got it from thinkaboutitdocs.com and they got it from a Russian ufologist. We've covered this gentleman before, Leonid Somov. That's from a book he wrote called 100 Stories of Encounters with the Unknown and published in 2004. The story's interesting on a couple different notes. It's funny, I kept wanting to interrupt myself, but I wanted to keep the flow of the story going. One, a lot of times when women are abducted by aliens and they're subjected to these type of hybrid experiments, they don't remember them. We covered one story, and this is really common, but one story that sticks out in my mind was there was a woman, she was abducted, she found herself like paralyzed, there was something covering her lower body, an alien was walking towards her, her legs are spread open... She wakes up, she's at home. That's common. That's usually common. When, when men get abducted and they have sexual encounters with aliens, they tend to remember them. They remember the experience. But a lot of times when women are having sex with aliens, they don't. We did cover a story of a woman who's getting gangbanged on the moon by reptilians, but that was made up. That was, I, I will fully say that story is made up. That's not true. So she can remember whatever she wanted. It never happened. But when we look at all these other more believable UFO hybrid experiment stories women don't normally remember it so I, this again is an outlier it's very interesting not only did she remember it she viewed it as a third party she was watching it happen and again was she watching it in the future was it happening and she had astrally projected from her body we don't know but not only does she remember it she remembers it as a third party in there we also have the interesting thing a lot of times when aliens encounter humans we'll see them remove tumors, we'll see them heal people. And this one, she was getting younger, which is an interesting side effect to the whole thing. Because that that's a huge benefit, obviously. Not just looking good, but you're actually de-aging, you're prolonging your life. Now, we only have the first name Svetlana. I'm sure it's a very, very common name. It's not like you can just go around and look for all the youngest radio operators in Russia who have incredible sex drives. You look for everyone who's still horny. But you have those things that happen. I think the most interesting part of this story, and it's a very interesting story, and I love all the little different rabbit holes we can go down on it, is the wood carving. Now, there is 
stories of people getting, just normal people getting bonked on the head, getting a metal pipe through the brain. The next thing they know, they're a concert pianist. All of these hidden skills people have that they're magically unlocked. Not really magically unlocked, like parts of the brain are damaged. It's the reverse of magic. That's tragic. And they're able to develop these skills. She didn't really have that type of experience, but something prompted her to start carving wood. And I think the most obvious answer to the story is the saddest. There's nothing like a human parent's love towards their children. When a father or a mother sees that little baby, it just radiates love. It should. I know it doesn't happen all the time, and I know there's a lot of bastards out there who can't form that connection. But you know what I mean? It, it needs to. That's part of the human condition. Even as I'm doing this segment, I'm kind of holding my arms like I'm creating a little baby person. A human's love for their offspring is boundless. And I believe that can translate across the stars. Aside from the reptilian gangbang on the moon, the aliens aren't coming down here and having sex with human women just to have sex with human women. Let's put our conspiracy caps fully on here, guys, because we're going to talk about the space-alien hybrid program, which is really common in UFO lore. The great aliens aren't coming down just to have sex with humans. They're coming down to create human-alien hybrids. And a lot of times, the human women don't give birth to the children. A lot of times, they're just used for the sexual act, and then the women are deposited back at home. Now, there are some human women who claim they've given birth to hybrids. But for the most part, the story is they're in some sort of chamber, they're in some sort of breeding pod, some sort of surrogate birthing method. So I believe Svetlana, while not pregnant herself, did have a alien hybrid child that she never saw, that she never held, she never kissed goodnight, never took it to its first day of space school, never got to do any of those things. But her motherly love reached across the stars and gave her the vision of her child. And not only gave her the vision of her child, but gave her the ability to see that child. She may never be able to see him in real life, but it gave her the ability to create art of a very specific purpose. The child wanted to visit its mom. The child wanted to make its presence known, but it couldn't. All it could do was reach across the stars and give its mother a memory of what it looked like. She turned that subconscious memory into art. The alien hybrid baby gave her a gift. And in return, that child was loved. Even if the mother didn't know that child existed, that child was loved. A parent's love can reach across the stars. It's never too far away to say I love you. Is that a Hallmark card? Is that a, that should be something? That should be like a phone commercial. Dead Rabbit de, copyright copyright uh, copyrighted that. Dead Radio at Gmail dot com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at Facebook dot com slash Dead Rabbit Radio. Twitter is at Dead Rabbit Radio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. But I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.